Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 82. His chariot. Our father would ride it out, and Zoria Vetranyaya would open the gates for him at dusk when he returned to us. And you? She paused. Her lips were full, but very pale. I never saw our father. I was asleep. Is it a medical condition? She did not answer. The shrug, if she shrugged, was imperceptible. So you wanted to know what I was looking at. The Big Dipper. She raised an arm to point to it, and the wind flattened her nightgown against her body. Her nipples, every goosebump on the areola, were visible momentarily, dark against the white cotton. Shadow shivered. Odin's wane, they call it, and the great bear. Where we come from, we believe that it is a... a thing. A... not a god, but like a god, a bad thing, chained up in those stars. If it escapes, it will eat the whole of everything. And there are three sisters who must watch the sky all the day, all the night. If he escapes... The thing in the stars, the world is over. Poof, like that. And people believe that? They did, a long time ago. And you were looking to see if you could see the monster in the stars? Something like that, yes. He smiled. If it were not for the cold, he decided, he would have thought he was dreaming. Everything felt so much like a dream. Can I ask how old you are? Your sisters seem so much older. She nodded her head. I am the youngest. Zoria Utrinyaya was born in the morning, and Zoria Vetrinyaya was born in the evening, and I was born at midnight. I am the midnight sister, Zoria Polichnaya. Are you married? My wife is dead. She died last week in a car accident. It was her funeral yesterday. I'm so sorry. She came to see me last night. It was not hard to say in the darkness and the moonlight. It was not as unthinkable as it was by daylight. Did you ask her what she wanted? No. Not really. And that's our page. Here we get more of a hint at the mythology of the Zoria. Well, more of a full explanation of the mythology, really. And uh, Zoria Polishnaya is an invention of Neil's, but he does add an interesting twist. Her sisters watch in the daytime and in the early and late hours, but she is there to watch at night. Shadow continues to be dense as hell. He asks her if she wasn't able to see her father because of a medical condition related to her always being asleep. And this is, it's frustrating because he goes through a lot of back and forth on these sorts of things. He met a giant seven-foot-tall leprechaun. His wife literally came out back out of the grave and visited him in a motel room. And Wednesday got off the plane and appeared behind him in a bathroom hundreds of miles from the airport. There's all these things going on. And he even asked Wednesday if he was responsible for Laura coming back from the dead. And how would he have any control over that unless he had some sort of supernatural powers? On top of that, if he has supernatural powers, would not the people he is visiting and looking for be having supernatural powers as well? I know it ties back into to the whole idea that he can't he doesn't understand things that he cannot grasp, almost literally physically, but damn, he's being just so slow on this. And he also says he feels like he's dreaming, and I would argue I think he is dreaming still. But got a couple more pages before the end of the chapter, so we can discuss it then. Odin's Wayne is a archaic term from the 12th century, well, maybe even before. It goes back quite a ways, though, and it's it does mean the uh, North Star. Wayne, a uh, term for wagon, and it comes from the Old English word wagon. That's the A-E-Ash combination again there. And it's related to both Dutch and German words wagon, which also mean wagon. 
Here, Zoria Pulishnaya refers to the Big Dipper as Odin's Wayne, and a text that I found from the 60s notes that in the heathen times of the northern nations, it was the wagon of Odin, Woden or Wotan. The book was entitled Star Names That Are Lore and Meeting by Richard Hinckley Allen from 1963. And despite this, I found a lot more references to Charles's Wayne, which is derived probably from an older term, Carl's Wayne, which itself comes from Charlemagne, Holy Roman Emperor and uniter of large portions of Europe, also known as Charles I, King of the Franks. Interestingly, at least enough to me, it seems that the name Charles's Wayne was due to Charlemagne's association with the legendary figure Arthur, i.e. King Arthur, i.e. the Excalibur guy, and also namesake for a flower company. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there related to what people have called the Big Dipper or the North Star or similar things throughout time, and I, I never knew any of it, so thank you, research, for teaching me. Here, Shadow mentions that Laura came to him in the night, despite being dead, and he thinks in his internal monologue that at night, in the darkness and in the moonlight, it's easier to discuss the supernatural and the more outlandish things that have been happening. And he doesn't think too deeply about the rest of it, especially with Wednesday or even current events that are happening to him with, with Zora Polishnaya here. And I think her presence maybe influences his loosening tongue. And I think it's because Shadow's still got this growing, I guess, infatuation with her lust. I'm not exactly sure how to define it. It's not super strong on the page, but it's also very obvious. So I like Zoria Pulishnaya's first question about Laura isn't, you know, how is she back from the dead? Or why is she back from the dead? Or... Are you sure? Are you crazy? Like, there's all these things that she could have been asking if this was a normal situation and a person who did not have some sort of supernatural or godlike powers, but Shadow doesn't pick up on that. She asks Shadow if he asked Laura what she wanted, and he, he says, not really, but the first thing he asked her was, is that you? And Laura says something about, you know, I bet you're going to ask what you're doing, what I'm doing here, or something like that. So, as I've mentioned, Shadow does have this budding feeling for Zoria Polishnaya, and it's not something that I've had a whole lot of opportunity to bring up before, but there's there's a discussion to be had of the the female characters in the novel. Up to this point, we've met the three Zoria, a really brief bit or two with Audrey. There's the couple of scenes with Laura, or the one scene with Laura, really, and then Bilquis's section where the vagina swallows magically the guy and that's kind of it so far and there are a couple of chapters and sections the coming to america sections that we get a female perspective but it's a very male book it's a very masculine sort of book in 
in Sandman, uh, Neil Gaiman spoke a lot of there being masculine and feminine stories, and not just in a discussion of who the starring characters are, but also the types of stories. The first volume of Sandman, Preludes and Nocturnes, was an adventure story, a revenge story, kind of more of a traditional superhero story in some ways at least, with Morpheus reclaiming his lost and stolen items and taking vengeance on someone who wronged him. And it's turned on its ear when we meet Morpheus's sister in the seventh issue, but a large part of that first volume is very much a masculine sort of story. And then the second volume, A Doll's House, stars a woman named Rose Walker, and she gets a lot of the focus of the tale, and it kind of delves into fairy tales and and some kind of more classical sorts of storytelling that are more more female-centric, at least within the, the characters that star in them. And there's definitely a lot of content and tone changes in the second volume but rose is put in peril and saved by male characters at least in two separate moments and i love neil gaiman's works i love his books and his stories and his comics and everything else but there can be a lack of strong female characters in the main roles i think Coraline would be an exception to this some of the short stories there's definitely more of a a variety in in perspectives and in characters like Dora Neverwhere is wonderful Laura is in American Gods is also pretty great but she's not she doesn't get full shake really we can I guess we can discuss it a little more when we meet Laura again which is coming up I just think that it's 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 worth talking about when we talk about the novel and and its treatment of the women who appear. And I, I guess I don't have an exact end to this this thought more than more than just let's pay attention to the the female characters as they come and go. And come and go they will. It's definitely Shadow's story, so we get more of Shadow's perspective. But the TV series does a pretty good job of expanding Laura's story, giving her a bit more I don't want to say agency because it's not the right word, but she just she gets to be more of a fully fleshed out character. And some of the badass moments that she gets as the novel continues, she gets pretty early on in the TV series. So I guess it's it's kind of a balanced thing. And I'm I guess I'm hopeful that maybe if we ever do get a American Gods two, maybe we'll get more of a shifting perspective sort of novel. I guess we'll see. You can get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.